get to speak with you this morning and to get to share with you. I did just return from Jersey Village where I taught the lesson that I had taught here last week. So I've been speaking about the Egyptian Book of the Dead all morning. (laughs) And I'm excited to share the message I've got with you this morning. Uh, Thank you for all of your love, encouragement, and support. I got a lot of emails from you last week. Uh, A lot of people saying that uh, they think that this may have been the first Sunday school class in in, uh, Texas taught on the Egyptian Book of the Dead. And I think that they were probably right, but Jersey Village today was the second. And um, it was a, a delight to get to look at what Moses would have been taught And what Moses learned, the book of Acts tells us that Moses had learned all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And so to look at the wisdom of the Egyptians as it was taught in the time of Moses and Ramesses II with the Egyptian book of the dead. And to see what that had to say about God, about creation, about who we are and what our purposes are. Shows just how mind-blowing Sinai would have been for Moses when God says, put all of that Egyptian book of the dead stuff aside. Let's look at it from a different perspective. And that was an integral part of the class series that we've been teaching right now. I've been teaching through the process of trying to understand different issues about God and whether or not God has done anything that's trickery or otherwise. And one of the, the big subject matters in this is the question of the role of science and faith, because we've got a a, a real question that a lot of people raise of why does God, A, call us in faith and and yet B, give us science, or when we're sick, are we supposed to simply pray about it, or are we supposed to go to the doctor, or do we do a combination of the two? Is it wrong to rely upon medicine? When we've got an opportunity to pray and to trust God for for healing or whatever God's will is. All of those are issues that come under the rubric or the umbrella of my series in terms of how do we understand God when some things seem to be opposite. And we delved in great depth into trying to understand Genesis chapter 1 especially and chapter 2 as well. But this concept of, of, of is, is that an abdication of science? You know, did God uh, uh, trick us by putting dinosaur fossils into the ground when really there were no such things as dinosaurs? And all of this kind of, of, of questions that, that a lot of people have. And what I've urged us to recognize is that science is God's handmaiden that he's given us to try to use in this world, to make the world a better place. And that we don't need to get bogged down with, with and it's fine if we want to debate the, the exact hows and whys and whens of creation, but we, if we get bogged down in that, we have sacrificed the message of Genesis 1 and 2, which was not to rewrite our science books. The message of Genesis 1 and 2 was very, very different, and it's one that we've taught through, uh, including the contrast with the Egyptian Book of the Dead. So if you have not gone through that, or if you missed some of those classes because of our amazing uh, uh, internet people, camera people, uh, sound people, booth people, because of a lot of folks' hard work, these are available on the internet, and don't hesitate to go watch them and, and share the links and talk about them. This morning, I want to try to bring the series to a close. If I can get through this class in, in one fell swoop, I want to try to bring this series to a close by looking specifically at science in light of some ethical problems. Because I think that ethics with science pose a lot of questions that we find ourselves juggling at various times. Now, not all of these questions will occur to you or be relevant to you in your life, but some of them will. And I think even for the ones that are not relevant to you in your life, it's useful for us to think about them and talk about them because of a number of reasons, including the fact that perhaps you will be sought out by someone Or perhaps someone will engage you in discussion. And you need to be able to talk sensibly about this 
as a thinking believer, which is what we strive to be. God never gave us our brain so that we could put it on a seat next to us that's empty while we're at church. He didn't give us a brain to leave it in the car so it could pickle in this heat. He gave us a brain to use. He gave us a brain so we could better understand him, better understand ourselves, better understand our families and neighbors, better understand our culture, better understand this physical world in which we live, better understand the spiritual dynamic in this world. That is something we do through our brain. Paul does not say for us to be removing our brains or putting them in neutral. Paul tells us to be renewing our minds, to make it more godly, to train ourselves to think better. We are to be a thinking people. I scoff at some of the reputation of Christian believers in the world. There are places in the world where people think that if you're a Christian, you're an idiot. That you just blindly believe things in the face of evidence. If you watch Bill Mayer, he believes that we're just, any and he acts like, and he talks like, we're all a bunch of blathering fools. With due respect to Bill, we're not, nor shall we be. So let's do this, let's engage in this. Let me start by setting out some of the issues. In May of 2013, scientists at the Oregon Health and Science University produced human stem cells by nuclear transfer. Now, stem cells, we have, you've got over a trillion cells in your body. And those cells are in different types of cells, but all of the cells have a common DNA in your body, your DNA. Those cells differentiate, meaning that they do different things. Some will become bone marrow cells. Some will become cells for your heart muscle. Some will become glial cells in your brain. Those cells will differentiate even though they have the same DNA. Stem cells are cells that have an ability to still differentiate in different areas. And so scientists know that stem cells might be useful for any number of different reasons. They suspect that they might be able to use stem cells at some point to regrow organs. So if you need a heart transplant, instead of waiting for a, a, a victim who passes away with a heart that's viable for transplant, they can grow you one in a lab. Mark Christmas, are you here this morning? How many years? 31 years, the longest living transplant recipient of what organ? Kidney in Houston, Texas. Just had the 31 year anniversary recently, a couple weeks ago. What if they could just grow a kidney? That's what they're trying to do. One way to get stem cells is to harvest them from an unborn child, an aborted baby. There are other ways to get stem cells. In May of 2013, nuclear transfer was first used. Nuclear transfer is when they take a little, um, um, okay, let's see if I've got, I think I've got labels on here. This is an unfertilized egg. That's just a puppet, a puppet a, a, with a vacuum tube. It's a holder. It holds the egg in place while that micro puppet uh, needle comes and inserts in new DNA into that egg's nucleus. That's why it's called nuclear transfer, not nuclear like the bomb, okay? Well, that would explode the egg. Instead, this is, 
this or make it radioactive in the least. Man, you shine. Um, this is inserting new DNA into the nucleus of the egg and did it in such a way that the egg would then start growing and dividing and that unfertilized uh, egg, oozite, I believe, if I'm correct. Janet can correct me later. Um, she's our biologist who would know such things. Many of you do. I'm not. I'm just a lawyer who sues biologists. <laughs> Either way, you've got to learn the language. That unfertilized egg begins to divide and divide and divide and divide and stem cells can be made from it. Typically, the DNA that they insert is from skin cells or some others, but that's one way now to grow stem cells and then use those stem cells for various things. How about cloning? Cloning, Dolly the sheep got cloned. President Clinton could not get Congress to go along with him, so he used the executive order power to forbid funding of human cloning studies with government funds. He said man cannot play God. And so he banned the use of federal funds for cloning studies in, hum in, in, in the United States. At the same time, Pope John Paul II, whoops, came in and condemned cloning as irresponsible, as unworthy of man. John Paul II said that it was humanity putting themselves in the positions of God, and it was wrong to do it. Sheep have been cloned, plants have been cloned. Lots of animals now have been cloned. You love your dog? Your dog reaching the end of days? 100 grand, you can clone your dog. You will get a almost genetic identical dog out of it. Sometimes they'll tweak a little bit of the DNA to like give them fluorescent toenails or something so that you can make sure you've got the genuine clone. Puppy comes out without glowing toenails, you know, that's no clone, and just sell him for $5. Otherwise, a hundred grand. I've got a friend who, who cloned his horse, spent a hundred grand to clone his horse. You, you, you know, the, the world, you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking cloning people. Well, who's worth cloning? Well, I can think of a couple, but not many more. And they're all sitting over there in my family area. Starting with my wife. Can you imagine cloning your wife and having like... I asked my buddy Kevin Parker about that one time. I said, Kevin, have you ever thought about cloning your wife? And he said, what, and have four women tell me to take out the garbage? He said... <laughs> Cloning, it's a real issue. How about mind-altering and mood-altering drugs? We now know that you can tweak the serotonin levels in a brain and change people's moods. Some people naturally have low serotonin levels. Lithium. Antidepressant drugs. I remember an article that came out in uh, some magazine years ago. I don't remember the magazine. Maybe it was Christianity Today. And the question was, if biblical times had had all the antidepressant drugs that we've got now, would half of the Psalms have been written? <laughs> oh, Lord, I cry out to you in misery. Or, I feel pretty good today. When is it right to take those drugs that alter our moods versus leaning on the everlasting arms? 
antipsychotic medications. All right, another one. Artificial intelligence. Okay, artificial intelligence, what's that? Have you seen the video clip? I think it's from Saturday Night Live of Alexa for old people, the silver edition. If not, you need to Google it. If I had had foresight, I would have put it into the lesson. It's got all the old people. First of all, they don't call them the right name. They call Alexa, um, um, you know, Alexandra. You know, Alexandra, how many did Satchel Paige strike out last night? And the uh, machine answers, Satchel Paige is dead. And the old man says, how many? <laughs> She says, Satchel Paige died in 1970. And he's like, I don't know about that. You know, uh, Alexa, uh, uh, you know, or, or Eureka, they call her Eureka. Eureka, where are my car keys? It's, it's just pretty funny. Anyway, artificial intelligence is more than Alexa. Artificial intelligence, right now the philosophers are debating... What happens if medical science continues so far that they're able to take your brain and when you die, they're able to make micro slivers of your brain or right before you die where each micro sliver slice is so thin that they've got the actual neurons and they've got an ability to read those neurons into a computer program. So your brain, your memories, your thoughts, your desires, all that you think, everything that processes in your gray cells gets placed in the cloud somewhere. Or maybe gets hardwired into a robot, another human body. And now all of a sudden you've got some wacko possibilities. I mean, if your brain, with all of its feelings, thoughts, emotions, and everything, could exist in a computer, then what our real-time existence is here is gone. Because a computer could process through all of your thoughts and everything else like that. And instead of you sitting here saying, I think I'm going to think about this over a cup of tea, you could have uploaded the entire internet in a cup of tea to coincide with what's in your brain. They're actually talking about putting internet feeds into the brain now so that you've got access to the internet in your brain through thinking. If you watch good movies, I don't mean the garbage out today. I'm not talking the new Lion King or something like that. I'm talking about the good movies by the classic actors like Arnold Schwarzenegger and... <laughs> You know, the Terminator series, Skynet. I mean, come on now. This is, this is a legitimate issue that's becoming more and more and more relevant to us. And we ought to talk about it. How about this one? Eh, come on. Animal testing. I mean, aside from the fact that that's how we got Planet of the Apes, if you watch that movie series, animal testing, taking the poor defenseless little puppy dog, and in, I mean, most people like, okay, you're going to give the rats mesothelioma from sticking asbestos in them. Well, that's okay. They're a bunch of rats and mice and stuff, but, but I mean, not the dog. What about the monkeys? Hey, hey, they're the monkeys. Don't. <laughs> I can tell how old people are by which, who gets which jokes. Young Hauser over there is like, hey, hey, they're the monkeys and people are laughing. I don't get that. Uh, actually, he's a music buff. You may actually get that. Um, uh, but, but animal testing, when and where is it okay? Here's one. Euthanasia. 
EU is the Greek word for good. Thanatos is the Greek word for death. Euthanatos, euthanasia, means a good death or a mercy killing. Euthanasia is when someone is terminal. And they don't just say, don't treat me. They say, please stop it now. Kill me now. Let me die with dignity. But when do we put in a don't resuscitate order or a do resuscitate order? When do we let someone live on a machine? When do we turn the machine off? These are very real issues made more in your face because of technology and science. The whole issue of gene transfer, gene splicing, recombinant DNA, whatever you want to call it. Our DNA inside the nucleus, inside the, the cell. I mean, look, the cell is just a packet of water with a few things in it. And inside that packet of water, one of the things in it is the nucleus. And that nucleus has within it the DNA, the double strands of genetic code that decide who we are physically. I have this color hair. I went to get my hair cut recently by a new gal. Um, uh, I, I frequently get my hair cut when I'm out of town because it's, 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 I have, if I'm in town, I've got too many things to do that I'm, so I do it out of town. So I've, sometimes I get new people cutting my hair. And she said to me, she said, do you color your hair at home? Like I'm doing a bad job at it or something. And I said, I don't, I don't color my hair. I don't brush my hair, man. I don't spend enough time to color my hair with all due respect. She said, well, if you do, you're missing some spots back here. <laughs> and I said, well, once my hair dries, you'll find I'm missing some spots all over. But it's because I don't do it. But my hair is the way my hair is because of the genetic code in my DNA. My dad had a full head of hair. I have a full head of hair. I got his hair. I, 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 you, you, you've got an ability to go in and to tinker with DNA. You can tinker with DNA in a person. You can take that unfertilized egg and you can tinker with the DNA. You can tinker with the DNA not just of a person. You can tinker with the DNA of other animals and other creatures and other living beings. And some people come to me and they say, what should we do about using Roundup, glyphosate? Because we've been reading about these, that it can cause non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Well, let me tell you, first of all, don't get it on you. If you're going to use Roundup, put on gloves. Put on protective clothing. But Roundup was developed as a solution to weeds. And they've genetically altered. What Roundup does, what glyphosate does, is it gets absorbed and by a plant's uh, leaves and it will enter into the sap system of the plant, go down into the roots, and stop the roots from taking on moisture and, and nutrients. And that's how it kills the plant. That's why the plant doesn't die immediately. You zap it on your plant, and, and, and you say, well, why doesn't it work on monkey grass? Because monkey grass, and not monkey grass, a nut grass, nut grass has that little nut down that's got a runner to another nut, so it can get more feed from other places. So it's really hard to kill nut grass even with Roundup. But you spray Roundup and it will kill the plant. Don't spray it on a tree. It'll kill a tree. It'll kill everything except genetically modified crops. 
where they have altered the gene of the corn so that it's not affected by Roundup. So then they give it to the farmers to go out there and to spray all over the corn crop and the only thing that'll grow is corn. Or all over the cotton crop. Or all over the wheat crop. You're going to get some glyphosate when you eat your Cheerios because it's going to be in the oat. That's genetically altering things for crops. How about in vitro fertilization? Having trouble getting pregnant? There are medications and and things that can be done that way, but there's also IVF, in vitro fertilization, where the eggs are harvested from the mom, the sperm is harvested from the dad, and there is an artificial fertilization that occurs, and then the, the fertilized eggs are implanted in a uterus. How do we decide these issues? How do we sort through these things? I want to suggest to you three things. This is the way I've divided up the lesson, I should say. I've divided up this lesson to do three things. Step one, I want to talk to you about some principles. Step two, I want to talk to you about a process. And then step three... I want to talk to you about how we apply it, okay? The principles we've been covering for the last six plus weeks. So hopefully you've been here for some of these and these will be familiar. If not, go back and look at the lessons. Principle number one, science is God's tool for humanity to learn and use to good ends. Science is not something that that is anti-God. Science is a tool that God has given us. The way this universe works is logical, is cause and effect, is sensible. It was made by a logical, cause and effect, sensible God. It's not Harry Potter world. As much as we might like it, we do not live in Middle Earth waiting for Gandalf to come down and zap something with his big cane. Though I do love the Tolkien books. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Work meaning to you. I'm getting frustrated over this remote. Work meaning to, to, to maneuver it. That's the word of odd for, for tilling a field, for nipping and the grapevines. That's just working it. But also to keep it. Shamar in Hebrew is, is to responsibly uh, uh, use, protect, guard, uh, uh, be attentive, be intentional. Look at it, inspect it, figure it out. Learn physics. Learn how the world works. My son, we got to see him the other day. He was thrilling his sisters by teaching them physics. He got a little swivel chair. And he sat down in the swivel chair and said, watch. And he just kind of swivels around. And then he pulled his feet and his hands in close. And do you know what happened? Faster. Like an ice skater who, you know, does the twirly thing and then brings it in close and they start twirling faster. That's physics. Learn how this world works, God told man and woman. Learn how this world works. Figure it out and put it to work. See, we live in a world now where it is marred. The beauty of this world and the beauty of humanity is marred by sin. It's under a curse. The curse came out. To the woman, you'll bring forth children in pain. Our daughter, Gracie, was 27 weeks pregnant on Friday. And I walked in with her and her sisters having, and, and Becky having a conversation about childbirth and epidurals. And I walked out. 
may not be basketball season, but there's got to be something better than that. Um, do you have a child naturally? Is it wrong to use an epidural? Or is an epidural a gift from God to deal with the pain that's bringing forth children? Is it okay to use Roundup or something else functional? Or are we supposed to get our food through thorns and thistles because it's the curse? Biblically, we are taught that we have science as a tool to combat the fallen world. So we can use science responsibly. We can guard and keep. We can watch and keep. We can work and keep if we responsibly and intelligently use those tools God has given us to combat the evils of the world. That's a biblical view of science. That's principle number one. Principle number two, all people are made in God's image. Not just Pharaoh, not just the select few, not just people in the United States, not just people of a certain socioeconomic level, not just people with certain heritage or ethnicity. I mean, this is, this is, everybody is made in God's image. Everybody has worth and value because of that. Unique worth and value compared to all the rest of creation. God made the animals. My daughter's, one in particular, chided me consistently because I refused to grant Tizzy, our dog, status of being a daughter. Dad, you have five daughters, not four. You left out Tizzy. No, Tizzy's my dog. Actually, Tizzy's her dog. I don't even want the thing. But Tizzy is a dog, not a daughter. A daughter is, made, is a human, made in the image of God, and has inestimable value and worth. Principle number three. God makes nature for humans to use, for humans to care for, for humans to nurture, not use and abuse. The Bible does not teach that we are to rape the land and plunder it for our good fortunes and leave garbage in our wake. We are to be responsible caretakers. Adam was a gardener, not a multinational corporation to consume everything and just leave garbage behind. Not that all multinational, I'm not corporate bashing. I just mean he, he's not, not an institution doing such a thing. I mean, that's the whole point of work it and keep it. Nurture it. Principle number three. Here's principle number four. Humans exist to walk with and glorify God. That is our purpose. We don't live in this world for our own good. We're not supposed to be hamsters on a wheel just running around trying to get through the day. We have meaning and purpose in our life. The meaning and purpose in our life is to walk with God and to bring Him glory. And so that's our purpose. That's a principle. Principle number five. We are, you know, it looks so much better on my computer. I got to figure, get this thing right. It buckles under for y'alls. I'm sorry about that. I, I tend to be a PowerPoint perfectionist. You probably don't care a whit, but I get a rash when I see world dip down and I see principle, we, it's out of line, it's out of whack. Hmm. We seek God's best in the world. Now, there can be good, there can be better, there can be best. We want to seek God's best. 
this is a weird one. This has a weird implication, as you'll see in a moment when we start applying this. But let's set aside now the principles and let's get to the next step in the process of what we're doing today. And that is looking at the process of how we apply these principles. How do we confront these issues? This is a process question. The process includes the following. First, I believe we need to work to understand the science. You say, I'm not a scientist. That's okay. You don't have to be a scientist. Just try to get some understanding. For some, the understanding may be pretty basic. For some other people, the understanding may be more complicated. Doesn't matter. Don't run from it. Try to understand it. Try to grasp it as best as you can in in the realm of what you've got. I'm a little old for that. You don't teach an old dog new tricks. You're not a dog. That's tizzy. You're a human. And yes, you do teach old humans new tricks. You can learn something. So work to understand the science and then prayerfully apply the principles. The principle of the role of science, the value of humanity, the purpose of life, the role in creation, seeking God's best. Let's prayerfully apply those principles. Then let's prayerfully examine our motives Motives, you can do one thing with a good motive, you can do the exact same thing with a bad motive, and it makes that action sinful. Exact same action becomes sin if the motive is not right. We've got to examine our motives. Remember, the prophet Jeremiah wrote hundreds of years before the birth of the Messiah that the heart is deceitful above all all things. We have a tendency to believe what we want to believe. You want to justify what you're doing? You can do that, even if what you're doing is injustifiable, because the heart is deceitful above all things. And for that reason, I add another element. Another part of the process for me is prayerfully seek counsel. Now, this doesn't have to mean, though it can, uh, sitting down with the, the right person and saying, here's the predicament I'm in. I've got to decide, should I take so and so off a machine? Because the decision's mine to make. Or I've got to decide, I'm going in for surgery. I've got to decide, do I sign this? Do not resuscitate. You can seek someone's counsel that way. But there's another way to seek counsel on this. And this is, this is kind of a fun way. Go to lunch today and talk about it. Go to lunch and talk with whomever you're eating with. How do you feel about this? What do you think about that? Hey, church today, do it tomorrow at work or wherever you are tomorrow. Say to someone, hey, in church yesterday, man, we were talking about this problem. What do you think about that? And let people talk this stuff through. Even if they're people you don't agree with, just hear where they're coming from and start to assimilate ideas and think through these things. Next on process, prayerfully read Scripture. Read scripture and pray about it. Prayerfully seek God. If we do that process, applying those principles, then we've got a forum and and the tools from which we can address these problems. I've got 15 minutes left in class. So let's see if we can do that with some of these problems together. Now, I'd love to tell you, That when we're done uh, with each of these, I'll give you the answer. But I won't. I don't have all of these answers. I can tell you where I land on them. But I, I I don't walk in your shoes. I'm not God. I don't I'm not the answer man. I'm not Google. 
I'm not, I'm not someone you can, can uh, all I can do is give you my thoughts and my counsel and how I reason through this. But then do like, Greg, are you, Greg is here, right there. Greg will email me and say, I disagree with you on this. He has zero qualms emailing me saying, I disagree with you. And then engaging me in dialogue. And it's mutually beneficial. He's helped change and mold some of my views. And I hope that I have some of his as well. So I mean, don't, don't just say, well, Mark's our life group leader. It must be that way. No. This is my paradigm. This is my model for understanding how to do this. These are some of my thoughts. But you take it and you make it your own. So stem cells, what do we need to do? Well, we check the, understand the science. That's uh, the process we talked about. The science of stem cells, uh, I've talked to you about two different ways of getting stem cells. One is, is through nuclear transfer. Another way is to use um, um, aborted fetuses. Uh, you need to understand that science. Because that may make a world of difference in how you view the usage of stem cells. If you've got stem cells that have been harvested from um, uh, a, a, a process of, of nuclear infusion of DNA from skin cells, say, into an unfertilized egg, that's a whole different world than saying we're going to research and do work on stem cells harvested from um, developing embryos of children. And, and one may be meritorious, and, uh, and in my mind, there's a difference between those two. So understand the science and then start applying the principles. What's the role of science? It's to improve this condition. What's the value here? The value is in humanity. So is this something we're doing to improve the condition? To, to, does it enhance the value of humanity? Does it make it better? What are our motives behind doing this? Are we doing this because we want to live forever? Are we doing this because we want to live better and more fully? And fulfill greater purposes for God? Or are we doing this because we want to get rich? Are we doing this because we want prestige? Why are we doing this? Examine the motives. You know, are you getting a stem cell transfusion to help grow cartilage so that you can walk better and participate in this world better? That's a marvelous thing to do. But you've got to examine your motives. That's part of it. And you've got to seek counsel. So I have someone who's dear to me who wanted stem cells because they thought it might help them better live in, 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 a, in a healthy, good lifestyle that doesn't have as much pain, that increases mobility. All very good reasons. And this person came to me and probably others and said, what are, you th what are your thoughts? I've already done some research. Here's what I've learned. Here's where the stem cells come from. Here's how much it costs. Here's what the chances of success are. Here are the, prop uh, the opportunities that it offers. Here's what it doesn't. And you need to do that. You need to try to figure out, you know, what's the purpose in life? What's the role in creation? Seeking God's best. Now, that's where some of this comes in, too. When you're applying the principles of seeking God's best, if God gives you $100 to spend, do you want to spend the $100 here or there? It's a zero-sum game. You've got $100. Well, you want to seek God's best? How do you use that money? So all of this is involved. It's an intricate thing that requires you to read Scripture prayerfully and to seek God's guidance.
The issue of cloning, look at that for a moment. Understand the science. Make another me. No, thank you. I'm trying to fix the one we've already got. Been working on it for 58 years. He's still got more fixing to do. Apply the principles. What's the role of science? Is it to live forever? No. What's the value of humanity? The value of humanity is to walk in fellowship with God to his glory. The ultimate glorification and fellowship with God comes when this world is over. My goal in this life is not to live forever. If it is, heaven, help me find another goal. That's part of examining your motives. Seeking counsel. Reading scripture. Finding satisfaction in this world and in this life. Uh, I think you may be able to tell I'm not a big fan of cloning. Um... You know, and, and I understand, wait, but what if we could clone people mindlessly so that we've just got a, an organ bank to harvest so that I could get an actual heart to transplant with my heart that's the same thing genetically and there's no rejection? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But it's worth discussing. Let's have a discussion over it. Mood-altering drugs. What is the role of science? To make this a better place. To alleviate some of the problems of the fall. I want to tell you, some people have brain chemistry problems. They really do. And there is a time and a place, I believe, if you apply these principles to value them, to see their purpose in life, their role in creation, to seek God's best, there is a time and place where some people do need some medicinal balancing of brain chemistry. There are people who have epilepsy who can find, and and epilepsy is a brain condition, and they can find drugs that help decrease the chances of an epileptic seizure. That's a good thing. But there's a difference. This is part of understanding the principles, but also examining the motives. Because that's a difference from just being an escapist. Using drugs just because you're not in the mood to address the problems of life. That's no different than getting drunk or stoned. It's just with prescription medication. The, the, the motivation for this is an important one, and I don't mean to be unduly harsh. And remember, I told you, I'm giving you my opinions. You can just say, I think you're an idiot and wrong. I'm fine with that. But the motivations of escaping this world and the problems it's got, that's not an adequate motivation in my mind for me to seek a mood-altering drug. Instead, I'm just going to waller out in front of God. Oh, God, I hate the world today. I hate this life today. I know you've given me purpose. I know that there's reason. I know that you're in control. But right now, it really stinks. And if I'm Scott Riling today, I'm struggling trying to make sense of this world. But the solution is not to check out. The solution is to try to make sense of this world or at least walk through your grief in the everlasting love of the Father and the prayerful support of His friends and the understanding that He may be angry and He'll go through those stages of grief because He's human and we love Him unconditionally and stand by Him as He would us if we were in His shoes. So just look at, look at that, motives. Seek counsel. Ask someone, how do I get out of this funk? How do I deal with this issue? If it's a brain chemistry problem, get some chemical help. That's what it's there for. Get lost in Scripture, reading it, looking for God's help. 
artificial intelligence. Oh, we just don't have time to get through this. I just think, do, do any of you watch, my kids are trying to get me to watch, not just my kids, people at work are trying to get me to watch this show called Black Mirror. They call it a modern twilight zone. I've watched a few episodes. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to watch anymore or not. Uh, it, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And, and, but it's, it's really some cutting edge science stuff. And one of the few episodes I've watched, they've got this little thing they put on and they're, they're able to take their minds when they're dying into, in essence, the cloud. And they live on in the computer world in this village by the sea. Um, artificial intelligence has got a lot of stuff that is really hot right now in terms of reading and working, but I'm going to skip through it because I've only got a few more minutes. I'm going to, so talk about it over lunch. Figure out where you land on that stuff. Animal testing. Okay, let's just look at this. Understand the science. What is it? Sometimes it involves giving animals disease. Sometimes it involves sacrificing animals with the disease and without the disease. Sometimes it involves uh, 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 purposefully breeding animals so that they come into existence with problems or with enhanced defenses against problems. Sometimes, now, if you understand the science, you will also understand sometimes there's no substitute for animal testing. Sometimes there is, it's just more expensive. So understand the science and then start applying these principles. Well, what's the role of science? It's to make this world a better place. Do not throw rocks at me, but I'm not into animal testing for cosmetics. Don't get me wrong. If you say, well, we've got to test this cosmetic to see if it's going to kill someone. If the cosmetic might kill someone, don't make it. You know, I can show you how to get red lips without killing someone. I've watched them old movies where them women are pinching their cheeks just to get them red. It works. If we understand the value of humanity and the purpose of life and our role in creation, our role in creation includes nurturing and caring for things. You can't just say, well, it's a stupid animal. Kill it. And yet, we understand the value of human life. So if we've got a choice between sacrificing an animal to understand a disease or letting the people die from the disease, kill the animal. Save the human. One of my daughters, Dad, would you die for Tizzy? No. <laughs> but you'd die for your daughters? Yes. But wouldn't you die for Tizzy? No. Well, don't you want to think about it? No. <laughs> but you would at least think about it. No. <laughs> Examine the motives. Is that because I'm cold and callous? No. <laughs> Seek counsel from someone other than that daughter. Read scripture. <laughs> Let's do one more. Euthanasia. What is the role of science? It's to make this world a better place. What does that mean when you're dying of cancer and you've got to decide whether or not you want to go through heroic treatments so that you might live miserably an extra six weeks to the tune of $100,000 plus. I don't know, for some people, six weeks may make a difference in some things they need to get done. For some people, it may not. But understand the science and what's involved in this and then apply those principles. The role of science is to make the world a better place, to help deal with the curse, the value of humanity is one that's worth... Look, I'm not into just going and killing someone. Say, hey, uh, I'm going to die of cancer in six months. I can't face six months of trying to live, knowing I'm going to die in six months. Kill me now, please. Just inject me with some propofol enough so that I drift off into dreamland. No. There's a value to humanity. 
And if God's got you on this earth, he's got you on this earth for a purpose. And if you've got six more months to live, then you've got six more months of purpose before God. And you figure out what it is. Yeah, but it's going to be painful. Okay, fine. You suffer for the sake of Christ. And let me be your friend and help suffer with you. You tell me how to help make it better. Maybe we can give you some drugs that help the pain. But if God's got you here, there's a difference between that and just killing you. Now, there's a difference between euthanasia and mercy killing and not using heroic efforts to resuscitate or keep alive. But then you've got that dilemma. Is it possible that this person's going to have life after this and if we just need to sustain them long enough to get them through the medical crisis now? Or is it truly over? And we've just got a machine pumping blood and oxygen. Examine the motives. Are we doing this out of selfishness? Are we doing this out of godliness? Are we doing this out of love for others, for ourselves? Examine those motives and seek counsel. Talk to people about this stuff. Read the scripture. Seek out the Lord on this. Oh, I need time to cover DNA with you, but we're running out of time. Gene transfer. Is it okay to do it for crops so that we can feed the 8 billion plus people on this planet that we'd have trouble feeding otherwise? Is it okay to selectively breed cattle so that they produce more meat that's healthier? Is it okay to do those things? Well, yes, but is it okay to do those things when it comes at an expense? Or better yet, is it okay to do those things when you recognize some people will die from the process? Now you've got something to weigh. Now you've got some counterbalances. And so you think through these things. You apply these principles to it. You examine your motives. Are you doing this just to make a bunch of money? Or are you doing this because you truly are trying to help a situation? Seek counsel. Prayerfully read scripture. Um, Pregnancy help. Children are a gift of the Lord. Yes, well, so is science. And if you're having trouble getting pregnant and science can help you, I think that can be a good thing. I don't have many problems with this if it's done responsibly and it's done in a way that recognizes and and upholds the dignity of human life. But there, if you understand the science, sometimes those lines get blurred. And so you've got to look at it carefully and you've got to apply the principles and you've got to examine your motives and seek counsel and read scripture. There's lots more to think about. I did not talk to you about whether or not it's okay to use nuclear power to explode a bomb in Nagasaki or Hiroshima to end a war. But those are the same kinds of questions. There's a lot that we haven't covered. But here's your take-home steps for today. First of all, engage. Engage your mind. Think about this stuff. Learn about this stuff. Um, uh, recognize that God made you. God made me not just to sit in the world and to eat and, and sleep. God made us with a purpose. God made us to learn, to take care, to nurture, and then to kick against the goads. You don't even know what that means. It's in the Bible. To fight against the system. To make the world a better place. And let's do that. So let's engage, but let's also do it with prayer. Let's seek wisdom from God. Know that the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 2, 6. James said, ask of the Lord for wisdom. He'll give it to you. So let's, let's pray. And then, final take-home step. Let's live. Paul said to the Colossians, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, and in Greek thought, everything's either word or deed. So that's just a second way of saying whatever you do. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, same thing. Do everything, same thing. So he's saying it three times. You know, your parents ever say to you, don't make me tell you twice. Okay, He says it three times. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is how we live. So let's engage our minds. 
Let's pray and grow, and then let's live to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. I'll see you next week.